Good morning, everybody. We are in a series talking about living our best life. And today I want to focus on the dangers of disconnection and the power of community. Now, this is an interesting one to talk about, especially for you guys who are watching online. Maybe you can't be at church this week because of sickness or another important event. Or maybe you've grown to enjoy your own company watching this in the privacy of your own home rather than gathering with others. Or maybe you're just checking our gateway before you take the step of coming physically. Whatever it is for you, we are so honoured that you would take the time to connect with us online. But to be really honest, we believe the very best for you is to eventually step into community, to be part of the physical Church of God. To live our best life, we have to lean away from disconnection and lean into community. Why? Because God made us to be together. The human origin story that we find in the book of Genesis gives us some of the foundations of our Christian worldview. And in that story, in the beginning, we see God creating the physical world and then the plants and then the animals and then creating a man. Now, up until that point, God had said that everything was good. But now he said there was something that was not quite complete. In Genesis 2, it records God saying, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, this is often, this verse is often used uh, in the context of marriage, but it's not essentially about marriage. It's about community. The fact that as humans, we need each other to thrive. And not just any community, a community under God. The gathering of the created ones to worship and enjoy the creator. That's church. So today I want to just tease out some reasons as to why stepping into Christian community is a good one. If that was your practice pre-COVID, I pray you'll come home. If you have never physically come to church, well, here's the invitation. The coffee is hot and the welcome is warm. Now, as we begin, I'm going to be uh, ripping through about 10 points. So if you want to keep track of them, uh, you might like to sort of just stop the podcast for a moment and, and uh, pull up the Gateway app and the message notes that are in there and you can follow along. And I'm using some of the amazing um, theology of Roland Rollheiser, who's an incredible Christian author. So why go to church? Number one, what I've already said, because it's not good to be alone. Church is walking with God within community. To attempt to make spirituality a private fair is is to reject part of our nature, our God DNA, and walk inside of a loneliness that God himself said was not good. You know, solitude is a gift from God and an important spiritual discipline, but isolation is not God's will for any of us. Secondly, 
I go to church to take my place humbly within the family of humanity. In a world where being yourself, standing out, becoming famous, protecting your privacy, don't tell me how to live my life, are considered the most powerful ways to live, God calls us in the opposite direction, into community, into self-sacrifice, into the humble care of others, and maybe even into lives of obscurity. To join a church is to give up elitism. It's where the lawyer cleans toilets alongside the truck driver, where the punk teenager shares a hot chocolate with a 90-year-old war veteran, where an autistic girl can share the joy of music with an artistic friend. There is no other community like it in all the world. You and I are called to humbly take our place within the family of humanity and we can find it all in our local church. You can find it all at Gateway. For some, that is perhaps the greatest obstacle to church participation. You don't like mixing with people. But I believe it to be the greatest benefit of the church. God would not call us to something that didn't lead to human flourishing. Thirdly, I go to church because God calls me there. You know, Christian tradition is clear. Spirituality is not a search for what is highest in oneself, but a communal search for the face of God. The call of God is double. Worship divinity and connect yourself deeply to humanity. Fourthly, I go to church to dispel my fantasies about myself. We can live in a fantasy that we are good people. In fact, most people who don't seek out Christian community probably believe that of themselves. Most people live unconfronted lives. When we gather to worship and hear the wisdom and the incredible holiness and goodness of Christ, we are constantly reminded of our own failings and we are given the grace to pull ourselves up to do better. We all know nobody deflates our image of ourselves like our own family. Do your kids do that for you, if you have them? Point out your failings and quirks? When it's done in love and humility and for your good, it's the best thing. The same is true of the church. It says in the book of James, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Away from actual church community, whatever its faults, we have an open field to live the unconfronted life, to make religion a private fantasy that we can selectively share with a few like-minded individuals who will never confront us where we most need challenge. This is not a church where we all agree with one another, and I'm so grateful for that. We sharpen each other. In Proverbs it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We challenge each other to think differently. We point each other to Christ and say, that's where we're going. Let's hold hands and go together. The fifth reason I'm going to go to church is because 10,000 saints have told me so. 
I go to church because by far the majority of good and faith-filled persons I know go there. And the heroes and mentors that I have known in my life have told me and demonstrated by their actions that whatever goodness and faith they carry is fostered in church. Do you have to be part of a church to be a Christian? Well, no. Just like a fish doesn't have to be in water to be a fish. I look towards the people I want to be like and I say, I want what she's having. So I'm going to go where she goes. The sixth reason I go to church is to help others carry their brokenness and to have them help me carry mine. I go to church so that people might help me carry what is unhealthy inside of me and I might help them carry what's unhealthy inside of them. You know, people are messed up in lots of ways. And in our church community, we need our share, we share our need of God, our need for healing. Church is a place where we can be honest about our struggles and find the greatest medicine of all, love and grace and acceptance. In the book of Galatians, Paul says this, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. The seventh reason I go to church, and I love this, is to dream with others. Here's a quote. What we dream alone remains a dream, but what we dream with others can become a reality. Watching the news every night can be a major source of depression. How can the world ever be healed? When will bad things stop happening? I can feel so impotent on my own to make any difference, even though I know that's what God's called me to do. But a very large group of people watching the news together can change the world. The church is that group. There are millions of people across the globe who call Jesus Lord of their lives. So the first thing I should do if I hope to help bring some justice and peace on this planet is to dream with others within a worldwide body of persons committed to the same dream. If I hope to do, if I hope to do that, I should go to church and not only go but serve and give into that community. Don't ever underestimate the combined power of the people of God. I was just listening recently um, on the news to a, to a report about a family of Ukrainian refugees and how they found their way to Sydney. And they just talked about going from safe house to safe house. And those safe houses were provided by groups of committed Christians right across Europe till eventually they ended up in, in the arms of a, of a church in Sydney. Just recently, we've talked about the Neighbour Report, which was um, a set of data that was collected about the impact of churches in Frankston, our own community. And, and that showed that the churches in this area were connecting in a positive way with over 25% of the people in the Frankston area. 
Even this small group of people that we call Gateway have pooled their resources to change the future for hundreds of kids and families in the poorest places of PNG. You only have to look at our, at our youth group. There's over 100, 150 kids, teenage kids involved in Gateway's youth group. Have you thought how that positive connection with the kingdom of God is pushing back against the state's the stats on youth depression. If you are still unsure about giving your precious finances to this place, can you allow your hearts to be moved by the potential of pooling our resources for the sake of the poor? If you can sit under God's teaching week after week and not feel the compassion of God welling up in you, to such an extent that you have to sacrifice some of your own comfort to help, then perhaps today is the day that you let God break that chain. Together we can dream and we can make a difference. That's the way the church has always been a force for good in this world. You know, you can get amazed um, when you hear about, say, a great philanthropic giver, um, and perhaps they've given, you know, $100,000. They're a wealthy person, given it to a, a hospital or a charity. But let me tell you what brings joy to the heart of God. The teenager who faithfully gives a tenth of their earnings to the church, could be $10 a week. Over a year, that's $520 they offer to the common dream they do their part. The tradesman that gives a tenth of his weekly earnings, maybe $100, plus his wife who earns more and gives 150 a week. Over a year, they contribute $13,000 to the common good. Do that faithfully for 10 years and they have given $130,000 to the welfare of others. Now, that's the kind of giving, faithful, consistent, unselfish, that blesses the heart of God and allows the church, which is all of us, to change our community. Now, you could look at that amount and say, wow, I could have been to Thailand every year on that amount. Yep. But I challenge you to see the health of the kids in our school in PNG, to see the joy and excitement on the face of our youth heading off to Camp No Fear to see the relief in the eyes of a sick person receiving food help and not say, that was money well spent. When we pool our finances, we pool our dreams for a better world and the darkness gets beaten back bit by bit. Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what we do in church. The eighth reason I go to church is to practice for heaven. Heaven will be filled, people of all kinds. A universal heart will be required to live there. Going to church is one of the better cardiovascular spiritual exercises available. And can I say... I don't think a Ku Klux Klan member would like heaven.
ninth reason, I go to church for the pure joy of it. I want to read you a story from um, Roland Rollheiser's book where he talks about the pure joy of the church. Most of our family or church gatherings pretty much mimic this scene. The family is home for Christmas, but your spouse is in a sulk. You are fighting tiredness and anger. Your 17-year-old is pathologically restless and doesn't want to be there. Your aging mother isn't well and you are anxious about her. Your Uncle Charlie is as batty as an owl. Your 30-year-old unemployed son sits in the bathroom most of the day and everyone is too lazy or selfish to help you prepare the dinner. You are readying to celebrate, but things are far from idyllic. Your family is not the holy family, nor a hallmark card for that matter. It's hurts, pathologies, and Achilles heels lie open not very far below the surface. But you are celebrating Christmas, and underneath it all, there is joy present. A human version of the messianic banquet is taking place, and a human family is meeting around Jesus' birth. That is what church in this world looks like. Most of the time it is so frustrating that we do not see the joy that is in fact underneath. But in the end, we go to church for the same reason that we continue to have Christmas dinner together as a family. For the pure joy of it. Let me read you the story in the scripture about the birth of the church. And, and I'll just give you context. This is a story at the beginning of the book of Acts, which is after the death and resurrection of Christ. And Christ has, has left the earth physically and he's told his disciples to just wait in Jerusalem because something is going to happen. But they're still anxious, fearful. They're not sure what he, he was talking about, but they were obedient. Beginning of Acts, it says, When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit uh, spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world, and when they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was go going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our own various mother tongues? I want to draw your attention to that first verse. They were all together. The power of God fell on them as a group, as they were gathered. Does God come down on indiv individuals? Yes, he does. But for what purpose? I mean, the, the classic story of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, when he is um, he's confronted with, with the image of Christ. Christ meets him on that road and confronts him and says, why are you persecuting me, Paul? 
Now, Paul has this incredible uh, conversion experience. But what happened after that? He didn't disappear off in the desert to spend the rest of his life developing his inner connection with God. Everything that happened to him after that moment was to empower him to build the gathered church. Rollheiser says this, to be the church is not necessarily to be with others who are compatible with us. Rather, it is to stand shoulder to shoulder and hand in hand with those who are very different from ourselves, to hear a common word, to pray a common prayer, to sing a common song, to share a common bread and offer mutual forgiveness so as to bridge our differences and become a common heart. If you are a Christ follower, we are a weird lot. We are a supernatural people. We are the living embodiment of Christ. We are his body. We are the hope of the world. Committing to be part of his family is not a small thing but it is the best decision you could ever make. God's desire for us is a life of abundance and influence. Don't disconnect, even though all the forces of this time in history are pulling you in that direction. Lean into God's family. Lean into his church.